Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Saturday, December 26, 2020, and this is day 1034 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we honor you and praise you. Thank you so very much, my Lord, for choosing to wake us up and allowing us to enjoy the pleasures of the world that you blessed us with, to be able to see the beautiful nature that you created just for us to to enjoy every single thing each and every day, uh, to be grateful and appreciative unto you for just even for giving us uh, our very breath that we breathe. Thank you for giving us the breath of life. I ask, Father, that you will comfort the brokenhearted and heal the sick and bless those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. Today's message is not just eye candy. <laughs> Not just eye candy. Uh, we're going to be coming out of um, Esther chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Yeah, the other day, let's see, Wednesday night, we were doing Bible study, and um, uh, I was teaching on out of Esther, uh, but chapter 1, uh, about Vashti, the, the queen prior to Esther coming on board. So Vashti really opened the door for Esther uh, because she refused uh, to do what the king said and uh, just come in and be eye candy. My aunt said that, said, nope, she's not going to be eye candy. So I thought this would be appropriate. So not just eye candy. We're coming out of chapter two of Esther, starting at verse one. And it says, later when King Xerxes Xerxes's fury had subsided. He remembered Vashti and, and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint a commissioners in every province of this of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem uh, at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Ashtai. This advice pleased or appealed to the king and he followed it. So the king was really sad and upset because he no longer had the queen because he abandoned her. He, he basically, his his friends, uh, they all got together and decided she needs to go because what she did by refusing to come in to uh, let the king show her off in front of him and his drunk friends, when she said no, um, that did it. And, uh, she took a stand. She was sick and tired of being sick and tired basically and said, no, I'm not going to do it. And he wrote a decree that could not be reversed that if a woman did that, that, you know, uh, basically she'd be treated like Vashti. And, um, so in other words, 
he ended up doing what we would call nowadays a beauty contest, having all these different virgins uh, come and prance themselves, parade themselves uh, in front of the different officials to determine who would be chosen to be in the running to even get the beauty treatments that they were going to have to have to go down to the finalists, to the ones or the one that would be uh, presented to the king as part of his harem, uh, but would also be the queen, but she wouldn't see him often. All right, so verse 5. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shammai, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken care, had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. So he raised her, he, he adopted her as his own. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants, selected from the from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Woo, the favor of God is already on Esther. And it says in verse 10, Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Sometimes we just need to wait. (laughs) We need to wait until the Holy Spirit says, now you move forward and share this information. But until then, we hold off because she was Jewish and uh, Mordecai had wisdom and he knew, hey, we need to hold off and wait. I know how how things could can go. If, so let's just take our time on that. So verse 12 says, Before a young woman's turn came to go to King Xerxes, um, to go to, to, uh, into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with oil of myrrh, and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is, and this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shahagas. Shahagas. I'm sorry, I don't want to mispronounce his name. The king's eunuch was... Uh, this king's eunuch, 
who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. So Esther really obeyed and did what they told her to do. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. So when the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Big Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about it, about the plot, and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. So that meant like a sword or stat or some type of uh, something like a, a, a spear or something was stabbed into them and, and maybe hung them on something, which is pretty gross, but that's what it was. And it says, on this, all of this was recorded in the book of Annals in the presence of the king. So that was quite a bit, I know, but I wanted you to get the gist of this. So uh, all that Esther went through to become queen, uh, and it was just, she was riding high. I mean, it was all going in her favor. Uh, God blessed. She had uh, favor with the king. She was chosen to be queen. And in the midst of all of this, uh, something happened that Mordecai witnessed a plot, you know, against the king. And because of it, the two people were um, put to death for what they had done. But Mordecai still was there uh, and instructing um, Esther as uh, throughout this whole process. So point number one, don't get it twisted. Esther's natural beauty was from God. She was also a very wise young woman who, over, who overcame obstacles in her life. One, the death of both her parents, and then being raised and groomed by her cousin Mordecai, who taught Esther great values beyond outer beauty. We too have gone through trials and tribulations in our lives that help prepare us 
for our God-given purpose. As Mordecai so adequately stated, and and this is stated in uh, verse uh, chapter three, verses five through six. Let let me let me go there. There was a plot uh, that was taking place now against the Jews because Haman was angry because Mordecai would not bow down to him. So Haman came up with a plot to kill up all the Jews. Now you notice how things were going all in her favor. And then all of a sudden now this plot comes up. And so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go over to, um, so chapter three, it says in verse five, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses to give you an idea of what's happening. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet, having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned, and he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So he plotted and had the king sign paperwork uh, by uh, by tricking him to do so. Uh, and and then in chapter four. Uh, starting in verse 12, it says, when Esther's words were recorded to, uh, reported to Mordecai. So Mordecai told her what was going on and that she was going to have to do something about it. So it says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. He said, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And that is a very important verse to me. Uh, you have been put in position, not just because you're beautiful, not be, just because you've got a beautiful figure, not just because you're smart, not just because of your connections, but because of a time uh, that God had purposed for such a time as this. And then here's what Esther said. Esther said, uh, she replied to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And here's another important words, another important thing that was said. Esther said, and if I perish, I perish. She did not care anymore about what if this happens or that happens. You know, I'm young, I'm beautiful, I'm this, I'm that. I don't want to die for everybody. I'm young. You know, who am I to take a stand for this situation? And she made up her mind, had a change in her mind set to say, if I die, I die. But I am going to try because you could not go before the king without him summoning, summoning you to him. You would be put to death if you did. 
And so that is what was said. So she's so um, and then so it says, and who knows, he said, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther Esther began the next phase of fulfilling the process that would lead to her fulfilling her purpose when she was chosen as one of the candidates to be the king's wife. It it started off as a great, point number two, I'm sorry, point number two, it started off as a great honor to be chosen and to be given great favor, the best room in the house, seven servants, and one year of beauty treatments, and then becoming the chosen one. Who would think that things would go so badly to the point that she would have to make a valiant choice to live or yet her own people die or to be willing to do or to be willing to die in taking um, a stand for what is right. And uh, that is what I read to you earlier when she said, if I die, I die. Or if I perish, I perish. Uh, and then it said, uh, my notes I'm saying here, <laughs> when we get to this point in our journey with the Lord. This proves our commitment at all costs to fulfill God's plans for our life. It also proves our unconditional love toward God, even though it may not feel very good. Uh, it may not look good. Uh, it may not, again, feel good. It may not smell good. We're determined to take a stand for what is right. It's time to get beyond being only eye candy. It is time to commit your will to God's will and obey your calling for your life. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, it starts off sometimes, most times, you know, we're going to go through, you know, to be smooth sailing. But then we go through this broken process where the flesh is broken. Uh, it's no longer in control. And the reality sets in as to the fullness of your purpose. And it might mean sacrificing everything that you have in order to fulfill it. Sacrificing what you feel is important. I'll never forget when God showed me several years ago, at least five years ago, while being at the schools, I encountered many, many situations where I saw youth uh, struggle and being treated poorly and badly. And most times it was not intentionally, but it was happening. And it's and, and one one particular situation that stood out to me was while in the office once at one of the, the middle schools, there was a young man. And, and, and being in the schools, I'll, I'll say this, I was there to uh, help as restorative justice coordinator to help with uh, students and teachers that were having challenges, and especially with students, maybe having behavior challenges and walking them through processes restoratively that would help and doing mediations and things like that. So this young man was someone that we were going to talk to, but they chose that to send him home because it had just gotten so out of hand. So the counselor called the mom and the mother answered the phone 
And the, the counselor was telling her that, you know, you need to pick up your son because there's some things that have happened today and he just needs to come home. And that mother said, I don't want him. You keep him. I don't want to come and get him. You take him. I don't, uh-uh, I don't want him. And this young man is sitting in the chair. Now, I've, I've kind of watered it down a little bit. This mother was cussing, going off. I don't want him. Basically were the main words coming out of her mouth. And that young man sitting there, not being wanted, being totally rejected by his mother. Now, I don't know what his mother has gone through, what she went through. And so I'm not judging her. But what I could see was this child, seventh or eighth grader, being rejected and not, we can't even imagine what it's like when he's at home. And that just pierced my heart so deeply. I never forgot. And the Lord showed me that you're going to, he says, you're going to take care of youth. And I didn't know how, I didn't know when or where, but I knew being in the schools, helping in that way. And then another situation happened uh, where I saw, I was working with a group of young men and young ladies separately, but this was a group of young men. And one of the young men was his mother had walked into the building of another school to come because they had called her because he had something had happened with him. And just before he was going to come to meet with me, I happened to be in the hall and saw his mother come in upset, furious, screaming, cussing out the principal going off and, and, and actually cussing out her son. He they called him down and uh, she was going off on him and said, you know, if I have to come down here again, I'm missing work. I'm losing money. And if I have to come up here again, I'm, I'm through with you. I'm through. You know, so she was just so upset and she, too, was hurting. But the hurt and pain transferred to her son was undescribable. And it hurt so bad to see that and to see what pain was brought on to that child. And so he was in my class uh, in, in the work group we were doing. Right after that, he was silent. He said nothing. He was angry. There was anger that was building up in him so deeply because he felt there was nothing he could do. So what he would end up doing is acting out in other ways. So the Lord showed me uh, to begin the process of the next phase of my purpose that he had given me. And that is to, to construct a building uh, that would house youth that have been rejected, that are not wanted uh, by their families, that families that cannot handle them, and a place of safety for those who've been sex trafficked, uh, things like that. I've seen that happen and is happening even more and more today. Uh, please be aware. Uh, I've had like three cases over the last two weeks where I've gotten calls from parents that it was, uh, I could tell, and we talked about it, uh, that it was sex trafficking or attempts to take their children for sex trafficking. We need to be educated and aware of what's happening out there, the ugly thing that the enemy is doing. So that is what God has given us to do. And and right now, starting in January, the first phase uh, to get to this 
constructing this three-story building that God has given us to do. And I say me, or I say us, me, not just me by myself. The Holy Spirit is leading me and guiding me. Um, but um, I will be taking developers classes to learn how to develop real estate, how to do that. I didn't desire to do it. God put it in my path to do it through a dear lady named Cheryl who shared all this information with, with me and a couple of my uh, church members. Uh, they're like my daughter and son. Uh, and anyway, shared with us how to become developers and, and to uh, basically we had to be accepted into this class and try out. We had to write letters and get letters of references and or one letter of reference and all these things, and then they chose who they wanted. Reminds me so much of what Esther went through. But this is just the phase to get to the point of of, of erecting this building that is going to happen within the next few years or very quickly. I don't know, but I know I am just going to do what God said to begin that process to not only help youth, but also help the whole family. You see, we can't if we will have a safe place for the youth, but have the wraparound services to help those families who are struggling, parents that need some help. And, and, and it's just so clear. What has God made clear to you in the phases that you're going through? It starts off very simple and nice and kind, and then it can get pretty rough and, and pretty ugly. And God is saying, stick with me and continue on. I am showing you the next phase of what I want you to do. What is that? Begin the process of obeying God and doing what he's called you to do. If you don't know Jesus, that would be the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Glory to God. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And please don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E, Be Like Boy, U-Y-C-K-S, Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. Also, you can check us out on any of the other podcast outlets. Please subscribe to our website by entering your first and last name and your email address and receive the four Greek words for love and learn more about God's agape love. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.